Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, folks, Jeremy Evans here, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Podcast Network. As always, appreciate you being with us and making us the number one sports law podcast in the world. Today is Monday, August 29th, 2022, and uh, this is episode 35 of season four. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about sports betting today, and specifically sports betting activations, um, sports betting you know, sponsorships, uh, and sports betting sort of deal making that's going on with a little caveat of talking about California and a couple of the ballot initiatives that are going to be occurring in November or the voters in California will be voting on in November. And so there was an article that I was reading and it uh, was via front office sports and it was talking about the marriage of sports betting and media. And uh, to give some perspective on this, um, sports betting is expected to produce $30 billion in annual revenue by 2030. New York State, some of the other states that recently passed laws to allow for um, betting in their state, uh, once uh, the PASFA Act, which was the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act legislation, uh, when that was overturned in 2018 via the U.S. Supreme Court in the Murphy v. NCAA case, uh, since that point, states have broken, um, you know, sports uh, sports betting records, and you know Nevada is not the only game in town anymore. Although Nevada has a a widely established, um, you know, obviously uh, 
um, tourist population and sports betting history. And so they're obviously going to have a first, uh, first mover sort of advantage there. But eventually as some of these States get built out uh, with sort of their, their processes, you know, um, you know, clearly there's going to be some opportunities there, but to give you some example of this FanDuel announced a brand um, a sports betting TV show with NFL network DraftKings is partner with Turner sports and bleacher report ESPN is integrated with DraftKings and Caesars, uh, particularly on the apps. Uh, NBC Sports um, uh, acquired PointsBet. And of course, um, CBS Sports partnered with William Hill. So there is just a, a lot of content partnerships with sports betting groups. And uh, again, this is um, going to continue to grow. And we'll get into sort of why it's taken from 2018 until now to get some of these some of these deals done, uh, but they seem to be happening at a pretty rapid pace. So that was a great article in Front Office Sports talking about some of those deals, and I highly recommend that you check it out. And I've written a column on it, a column on it this week as well. But again, there's this growing list of uh, sort of sports betting and media companies uh, that have joined forces in some fashion. Uh, and these partnerships, you know, frankly, they make a lot of sense because Media companies have production and distribution expertise uh, through broadcast and streaming opportunities and platforms and what have you, and just history and experience in general. Uh, but those same studios and networks really lack the, the um, unless they're a sports-specific studio or streamer, um, you know, which is pretty rare. I mean, you've got Flow, um, uh, Flow Sports and a couple other ones that are a little bit smaller, but in terms of strictly streaming sports, Usually it's a part of a network or a larger streamer, right? So your Apple deals, your Amazons, um, um, your NBC, you know, that sort of thing, your Peacocks, what have you. So uh, again, with studios and networks having the production experience, but then the content coming from these sports, um, you know, betting uh, or sports book companies or resort companies or companies that have experience in sports betting and sports books. I think those things are very important because ultimately you need the content, right? Uh, the studios and networks aren't, aren't their creators. Um, they're taking stuff that's created and producing and distributing it. And obviously having a part in the creative process, but it's the writers, it's the, the statistics that come out of sports, it's the content that comes out of sports, particularly sports betting, uh, that I think is what, what these media companies want. And we almost sort of see that that develops. I think eventually, um, you know, there'll be more integrations, you know, barring, you know, obviously regulation. And we'll see how some of these states push back on addiction and push back on uh, issues of impropriety uh, as that sort of, um, you know, plays out over the next 10 to 20 years, 5, 10, 20 years, and kind of what we're seeing over in the UK right now. So again, these studios and sports betting companies, sports books, they need each other. And so by brokering deals with content creators um, that have a history in gambling, it fulfills a need that studios and networks want, right? And so these partnerships between media and uh, sports betting and data companies have taken time um, to develop because the Mur Murphy v. NCAA decision from 2018 in the U.S. Supreme Court, which involved the 10th Amendment to commandeer states to do or not do something, uh, was found to be unconstitutional, or the PASFA Act was, which is the Professional 
and Amateur Sports Protection Act, and uh, which outlawed gambling outside of a few select states, which I think it was um, Atlantic City in New Jersey, uh, obviously um, Nevada, and then um, I think there was uh, a small lottery or it was a, some other level of uh, gambling that was allowed in Oregon. Uh, and then, of course, other states uh, have Native American reservations, and they they sort of pursue that. California has uh, quite a lot of those, and we'll get into how that plays into the politics of um, sports betting here in California and some of the ballot initiatives. But so once the Murphy NCAA decision was made, essentially what that decision said was this doesn't legalize gambling across the states, but what it does is it allows for the states to implement their own legislative and regulatory scheme to introduce sports betting. So to allow sports betting would be to introduce some some level of law that says, here's the process to get a license, right? And then of course they would pay for that license and then take taxes on uh, the money. And of course, um, this is the big debate, right? Because New York, take, I, think, I think, takes 51% in taxes and they charge a licensing fee for some of these sports books. And of course, there could be uh, online mobile betting as well if, if the legislation allows it. And this was uh, sort of famously uh, compared to Massachusetts, which recently passed a law uh, for sports betting. And I think they're charging somewhere around 20, 20%, I think is the number that's that's sort of in my mind. Uh, which is far less than 51. So again, there's going to be some uh, some balancing here. But this makes sense, right? Because when you look at the history of prohibition, in terms of when prohibition was lifted, uh, it wasn't that every state said, let's, you know, um, you know, sort of free consumption. That may have been the case on the day after prohibition was lifted. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, there's sort of a regulatory scheme that's introduced down the road, right? And you sort of show that as to, to see sort of how that's going to play out in terms of licensing and regulation. So it took time, right? You know, 2018, and you got to get the state legislatures together. You got to get everybody together to figure out, you know, how this is going to work. You know, voters will have to vote on some of these things. And this is why, you know, you have now, you know, essentially what, uh, three, four years later, and, you know, we have more than half of the states in the United States that have uh, some sports betting. There's about 15 or so that have not introduced sports betting, um, but uh, of course it's on the it's on the ballot here in California uh, in November 2022. So again, it takes time, right? Not just states are not just going to sort of just open the floodgates and say here's sports betting. Some states were quicker about this than others. Um, maybe less controversy in those states, or just a more friendly legislature to it uh, in terms of the um, uh, the tax revenue and uh, some of the other sort of black market versus open market, you know, issues that come up with sports betting uh, if you don't have a legalized opportunity. But again, more than half of the states, United States have introduced some sort of legalized gambling. And that's pretty fascinating considering that um, we're talking about three, four years ago. So it's actually, you know, pretty good numbers there, even though it wasn't exactly immediate, you know, within the first few months or first year or whatever. And of course, there is continued evidence of streamers and studios purchasing sports content as well, um, which inevitably provides inevitably provides more opportunities for sports books and data companies uh, that collect uh, statistics in sports. You know, um, for example, Front Office Sports had reported that Apple currently has sixty open sports related jobs, 
listed on its website. So clearly that department is growing, right? And they, they sort of Apple sees that as a major part of its future. Uh, it's also not hard to imagine. Um, and of course, Apple's great benefit there is that they have the cell phones. So they have the technology to connect to the content, which is where many people um, watch their content. And so I think recently I was reading a Nielsen article and it was talking about the two two of the surprises to me uh, in a Hollywood Reporter article as well. And it was talking about how streaming overtook, um, we talked about this last week in our podcast and in our uh, weekly column, but uh, that streaming overtook uh, cable as um, the number one sort of viewership uh, number. And it's sort of interesting because as that sort of streaming grows, um, I think it provides more opportunities for Apple and companies that have that sort of direct-to-consumer opportunity. But it was also that mobile uh, is on the rise and continues to grow. And, and YouTube was a was a very um, popular place to watch content. And of course, all these things are done on phones, right? Most people are going to look at YouTube videos on their phone uh, or their iPad or what have you. So or Surface, whatever you want to, whatever brand you want to use. Uh, so clearly Apple's growing. Uh, it's also interesting. So Twitter recently uh, introduced um, or is introducing in sort of a beta test um, of adding podcast to the live audio tab. So it's the ability to, you know, essentially listen to podcast, you know, from, you know, from the Twitter application, which makes a lot of sense, right? Because if you're already in a content consumption or sort of distribution platform like Twitter, you know, you're looking for content. And so you want to keep people on the platform, right? So I think it makes sense that um, maybe Twitter or maybe some of these other social media platforms look at ways to actively actively promote sports betting. If they can put podcast on there and they can have links to podcast, uh, there's nothing to say that you can't have integration with sports betting. And what better place than that? I mean, you know, not that uh, you know, my I myself, I'm not a gambler. Um, you know, never really been a part of my um, you know, part of my day to day. Um, you know, I know some people love it. Uh, that's just not one of my things, but I will say that with Twitter, it's interesting because um, this is a platform that when you're watching a sports match, uh, any kind of sports game, you know, you're watching, you know, you're maybe watching the game, but then you're also checking Twitter and you're posting stuff, you're sharing stuff. And especially a lot of the, um, the sort of uh, uh, the broadcasters, the, um, the folks who were talking on TV, you know, the journalists, what have you, um, the athletes even, uh, are going to be, you know, posting on that. And so you could see something where it's like, you know, a sports betting company does a partnership with Twitter and says, you know, they take a percentage of whatever, and then they sort of work that out with the state and the regulatory system. And they say, Hey, look, you know, um, X, X, Y, Z batter or quarterback has percentage X percentage to complete this pass, you know, or, you know, how do you bet? And then you place an immediate bet on your mobile phone. So you could totally see that happening and you can see, um, you know, social media uh, companies moving towards that end. Uh, and I think, frankly, it's probably the best way to reach people if you're looking to grow an audience uh, with sports betting. And of course, teams are going to benefit from this because, you know, the, the the likelihood of somebody having a higher interest in a game uh, is going to increase um, by sort of the uh, the amount or um, the fact that somebody bet on a game, right? Because I think it opens up that opportunity. But again, of course, coordination uh, with these sort of social media, you know, companies and platforms, 
and the state regulatory system and the actual sports book uh, is going to take some serious um, coordination, implementation uh, issues uh, likely include sort of how do you protect the youth and the youth not, you know, basically the younger folks among us not being able to have access to sports betting, uh, the indebtedness issue in this country, and then uh, more importantly, or equally as important, the addiction issue in this country. So I think moving along, you know, there was recently uh, another example of some deal-making is IAC, which is a broadcast and internet type of company, has um, recently purchased um, 40, was it $41.7 million in MGM resorts. Uh, this includes the Bellagio and a few other, obviously the MGM hotel itself. Um, and then of course the, the, the sort of iconic MGM sphere that's being built and is close to being finished, uh, in Las Vegas. Um, you know, I think all of these sort of things, it's interesting to see this huge media and entertainment company, um, purchasing shares in MGM, because I think it shows where the gold rush is going to be, and it's going to be in, um, gambling. And this is only going to continue to grow especially as interest in sports grows, as more sports are added, as cricket is added, as just imagine opportunities that way, whether good or bad, I think are going to open up some uh, uh, some serious Pandora's boxes, if you will. And of course, for IAC, which is um, short for Interactive Corp, um, you know, I think it makes sense as a company we've been looking for content in a sports book or casino partnerships with MGM, uh, frankly, because it's about to launch its you know, iconic entertainment sphere in Vegas, uh, the MGM sphere. Um, and then also looking at potentially selling, selling Madison square garden. That one kind of confuses me a little bit. I'm not sure why MGM would be, um, be looking at that. Um, but you know, maybe it's just a divestment of assets and looking to put more money into the sphere and sort of where the future is going, but, uh, just something to keep your eye on. But I think one of the interesting points is, is that to deny that there is a gold rush going on when it comes to sports betting in this country would be unwise. Uh, clearly that is happening. There is an explosion of sports betting in the United States. Uh, and of course, in California, there's two ballot initiatives. I think it's um, Proposition 26 and Proposition 27. They're two different initiatives. I think 26 is the one that looks at uh, limiting online sort of sports book betting and sports book sort of betting in general to Native American uh, reservations. Uh, and then 27 is the one that opens it up uh, across the state. If I had to venture to guess, um, and again, this is barring any political ads and any, any other things that are put out there in terms of um, where that might sway the public opinion. But I feel that most Californians and most Americans in general look at um, sports betting much like the marijuana question of, and much like the alcohol question is if you're going to have it, you have to regulate it. And because of the tax dollars that go into this, and of course the Proposition 27 is aptly named sort of the Homeless and I think Education Act uh, to where it sort of are the homeless and um, sort of medical um, medical act where you're looking at helping the homeless and helping with medical um, medical issues amongst our population in terms of mental health. 
And uh, I think it's a good marketing name, but it's it's also to the point that if you have those extra tax dollars, they could go to some of those programs. Of course, the problem is, is anytime you have more tax dollars, there's always a question of where does the money actually spent and who is monitoring it. So um, from a consumer perspective, you know, um, obviously consumers are being taxed more on the stuff that they're betting, uh, which is essentially a luxury in many ways, right? Uh, although people do make a career out of it, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and they can be quite good at it. But I think that, um, again, sports betting is is on the rise. I think it's continue to grow. I think if California as the fifth largest economy in the world were to add sports betting, it would break every record in the first month. I mean, without a doubt. Uh, and if I could take a guess, my guess would be Prop 27 will pass. Um, and I guess then the next issue is if both pass, if 26 and 27 both pass with the majority, of course, then it goes into sort of maybe a, a runoff between the two initiatives, if you will, like you would have between two candidates. Or there'll be litigation over it uh, in terms of sort of how that plays out. But California truly is the the gem here. Um, you know, with fifty five, I mean, so I mean, how many uh, forty million plus? Um, you know, in the state of California, uh, in terms of population, I mean, it's and of course the question is, what does this do to the Native American, um, you know, population in terms of, um, you know, their Native American um, casinos and how that affects it. But, you know, currently, um, you know, sports betting is not allowed, right, in California. And so um, I think if anything, it probably opens up opportunities. And of course, the the Native American casinos can um, can obviously offer the same thing, right? And so they can, um, you know, they can open up some opportunities there. Yeah, so I was right. I wanted to check that really quick. It's 39, basically 39.1 um, million people in California, uh, which is just an astronomical number. I think I was reading a statistic recently talking about California in general, and it was saying LA County has more, you know, more population than uh, I think most of the States in the country uh, outside of New York and Texas. Um, you know, San Diego County, for example, which is, uh, you know, large County in terms of size, but not compared to let's say Los Angeles, um, in terms of population, but even San Diego proper, you know, has, you know, a million people. And I think the County has three or 4 million people. So, um, and that's bigger than, um, you know, the, a lot of the States in, in the country. So California is really the big prize here. I think a lot of companies are looking towards California as to investment and where that's going to, where that's going to go. But anytime you add the fifth largest economy, uh, to sports betting, you know, if you thought New York was was big in terms of the numbers they were pulling in uh, for sports betting, um, you know, I California could easily double that, uh, triple that even. So we'll sort of see how this plays out. But we truly do live in a fascinating time, and uh, you know, with sports betting being introduced and um, just again a lot of opportunities, but also a lot of issues in regulation and a lot of things that we need to be careful of in terms of. Uh, impropriety and following sort of what happened overseas in the UK uh, with sports betting partnerships. So, uh, but anyways, folks, hope you appreciated, uh, um, you know, appreciate you, you listening in and, and, and um, you know, I hope you appreciated the show and thanks again for listening in. Uh, I'm your host, Jeremy Evans. And today we were talking about uh, the growth of sports betting uh, activations op and opportunities 
uh, and particularly with focus on California and some of the ballot initiatives that are being presented to legalize uh, sports betting in California. So we'll be back with you next week. Again, this is Jeremy Evans, your host. Thanks for making us the number one sports law podcast in the world. Look forward to being back with you very soon. Thank you. a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.